Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Core Console RX Podcast. We are live on Instagram. Cole, what's going on, man? Nothing much. Just us today. I know. Just us. It's usually a packed house. I know. We kind of had to do this impromptu yeah. podcast because you're getting married. Yeah, I'm going on a honeymoon. It's true. Going to be gone for a while, which I thought was going to be canceled. You hear about the hurricane? I did. Yeah. I was kind of hoping it would be canceled so we could do podcasting yeah, instead of wasting time on the honeymoon. We got travel insurance, so it would have been okay. Ugh. Yeah, I uh, I don't remember clearing a five-week vacation, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't run it by you, boss. Yeah. <laughs> that's fine. I guess I'll just podcast by myself. Oh, you might as well. But, uh, yeah. I bet, I bet you could talk for 45 minutes on your own. It would be so boring because I would just be <laughs> a little random stuff. And crack jokes to yourself and just start. I mean, Steve would be laughing. That's true. Yeah. Our producer, He's Steve, always chuckling. Behind the, behind the scenes. Chuckling in our headphones. He <laughs> likes to make sure the lights are turned on, the cameras are pointed towards us, and he keeps us in check. Yep. What so, we do without him. So if anything gets through editing and there's nonsense in the podcast, you can blame Steve. Post-production. Post-production. He handles that. Post-production Steve. <laughs> um. So how do you feel about uh, no longer being single here? I'm uh, excited. What, one week? Yeah. Less than a week. Ready to... It's this weekend, uh, right? It is this weekend. Jeez. Sunday. It's, it's been busy. Up, man. A lot going on. But I don't know what I'm going to do after the wet, after the honeymoon, except for record podcasts and work on core consoles. Finally. So there's not going to be anything to do. Finally, we can get focused. <laughs> i tell you what, it has been a long road. I know. So is she licensed now? Uh, she passed the pants. Awesome. Um, she's working on all her licensing stuff. It is just a bear. I thought our licensing stuff was a pain, um, but you know they got to come up with scope of practice stuff with the physician, and they got to get all there. So I guess it depends on where you work. You might have one supervising physician, but she has a whole bunch. So they all have to sign hmm. off on all this kind of stuff. Um, hopefully, we don't have to work on it on the honeymoon. But either way, once we get back, we'll finish it up. And for those of you who don't know, the pants exam is what PAs take to get yes. licensed. Not just some not, random pair of pants. Not just to make sure you can put on pants correctly and <laughs> tighten your All belt right, adequately. You pass. <laughs> you are a licensed physician assistant. You'll wear the pants in the clinic. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, is she still? Has she decided what she's going to do as far as? So like, she's doing a neurology fellowship. She is doing the yeah, fellowship. She's doing that. That yeah. is awesome. So that's cool. She wanted to do neurology going into school. So, um, and this is physician assistant, by the way. Mm-hmm. You just mentioned that, but uh, yeah, a year long, and then she'll decide. That's After cool. That. Pretty awesome. Yeah, we're excited. What about you? How's everything going in the pharmacy world? Good. Yeah. Flu season. Gotta flu love it. Flu season. Got all the flu shots. Sticking in a lot of people. Still doing a lot of Shingrix? Um, actually, I think it's out pretty much everywhere now. Yeah. You guys yeah. finally ran out, yeah. huh? Yep, yeah, we did. We uh, we got a random box in, and we were doing, you know, probably two days worth of right. just like people coming in and asking for it, and we're, right. we're out again. So, have you heard when they're coming back in? No, I hear late, mid to late September is what we tell people, but I don't know for sure. I hear on a daily basis how ridiculous it is from the patients. Oh yes, we do. I was like, yeah, I well, I'm not involved with that, so right. <laughs> I will pass that on up to whoever needs to hear that message. <laughs> GSK needs to make some more. People went nuts for that, and you know, maybe it's not the people that did so much as the physicians i guess i mean they must be really pushing it Uh, there's no way that people on their own would say wow this is such a good vaccine i'm just gonna go nuts for it yeah i think it was definitely the physicians but i don't think i mean this is totally just my 
guess i have no idea i have no data to back this up but i think that like you know because typically it takes a while to sort of have a vaccine catch on yeah i bet gsk was just kind of trying to play it safe so they didn't produce a ton of it right and waste and it uh on. yeah i mean think about um gardasil I, I don't feel like it caught on it didn't catch on like that which i, I still barely dispense yeah, gardasil rarely and it's still got a whole stigma around it and it's mm-hmm. been out a lot longer than Shingrix, but people don't really seem to be asking many questions about Shingrix. No, they're like, like me. Give it shingles to me. is give the it to worst. Me now, which shingles is the worst. Is. Give it to me. Yeah. But, um, you know, cancer isn't very good either. Yeah, that's true. But then, you know, like you said, there's a stigma behind the Gardasil. Right. People are like, well, my son is not sleeping around. Like, well, I hope not. He's 11. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's a good thing. But, you know, eventually he will become an adult. <laughs> and uh, it's good to have him protected. But yeah, there's a lot of a lot of stigma behind that. People get offended when you bring it up. Yeah. But what are you gonna do? Anyways, so we're we gonna talk about today. Yeah, we're talking about something today. Yeah. Eyes. I don't think we've done anything ophthalmic yet. I don't think so. Right. There's not much else that we've done that I can't think of any other part of the body, general <laughs> part of the body that we haven't done except for ears. I haven't done any ear stuff. Mm-hmm. Toes. Gout. Ah, gotcha. crap. I was thinking toes. I really was, and I was like, oop, gout. <laughs> gout. <laughs> Somebody says, where, somebody on Instagram just said, hey, where are all the people? <laughs> just us today. Just us. I know, there's a, we bring good-looking people in here, but now you have to deal with us. Yeah. So, exactly. Sorry. sorry. It is what it is. It is what it is. I got a haircut today, so. You did. Maybe nice. That, maybe that helps. Solid. <laughs> you going to grow the beard out for more for the wedding? Uh, I got to shave tomorrow, but I think tomorrow will be the last time. So nice. I won't have a beard, but it'll be something. Something. You won't look like a twelve-year-old up there. Yes, that's, that's good. You don't basically. want her to. You don't want her to walk back up the aisle and just leave. We've been taking a poll to see if you know uh, stubble is okay with the tux. And, oh, for sure. Oh yeah, I'm doing it. Yeah, for sure. James yeah. Bond would do that for sure. Oh sure, yeah. So yeah, you're good. Well, James Bond would do a lot of things I probably wouldn't do. Yeah, that's so. true too. <laughs> Can also shoot people really well. Yeah. Mm, well, you never know if you possess that. <laughs> never tried. <laughs> I haven't tried it yet. But um, all right, so we're gonna talk about dry eyes. Yep. So we have a, a pretty cool study that we're going to go through because if you ever go to like a, you know, just a regular retail or, you know, community pharmacy and look at all the different options for artificial tears or any other dry product, there is a ridiculous yep. amount of things to choose from. Ridiculous amount of brands, ridiculous amount of types, uh, ointments, gels, spray, drops. What do you choose? It's e- huge. Exactly. So if the person is asking what we're covering, um, on Instagram, we are covering uh, dry eyes. And we're going to go through some uh, evidence that compared certain brands to each other. Yeah, and he says, what do you usually cover? Whatever. Oh, yeah. He said, I, I read the question wrong. My bad. What do you usually cover? All Anything, kinds of stuff. Whatever whatever suits our fancy. Yeah. An hour before. And now, yeah, we literally just like throw a dart at a dartboard and pick a topic. But not. But this is a good one. Yeah, this is good. And I could use definitely use a refresher on this because there were some things I, were, I was confused about. But yeah, dry eyes. Uh, and this meta analysis is from 2014. We'll kind of be going through and then sprinkling in some other stuff. Uh, it's called Artificial Tears Potpourri, a literature review. Kind of a fun, whimsical name. Yep. Uh, but they looked at about 51 studies with 18 comparison studies. Looking specifically at brands like Sustain and Refresh and Blink, um, drops, even gels and ointments and things um, to see which one might be better and which one would work better for dry eye. And they all actually work okay, interestingly. Some just are a little better than others. Right. 
So they're not created equally. No. But um, even before we kind of get into the actual study, like let's go through some of the, the pathophysiology because it seems so simple, but just to make sure we cover all of our bases, we definitely should kind of discuss that quickly. Um, so, you know, dry eye is kind of classified into two general groups, if you will. Um, you can have just somebody that has a decrease in their tear production, or you can have an increase in evaporative loss. So they're the the tear production is there, but they're it's evaporating too quickly, and so they're getting dry eyes again. And so you get this hyperosmolarity um, of the tear film, and that's going to cause the ocular surface to have some inflammation, which is then going to lead to the symptoms and things that we think of when we think of dry eye. Um, and so if you know just as far as decreased tear production, you know you have this uh, lac- um, lacrimal gland um, that is responsible for the tear production itself. And so it can be from just a dysfunction of that gland um, all the way up to you know actual destruction from some sort of an injury or something like that. Um, but it's going to cause this you know reduced volume of that aqueous fluid that's normally released. And that's what's leading to that hyper um, osmolarity of this here film. Yeah. And then you're going to get that uh, ocular, basically the hyperosmolarity of the ocular surface after that, and then leading to inflammation. Yep. And with the evaporative dry eye, uh, a lot of patients who have dry eye, 86% really, um, also have signs of meibomian gland dysfunction. Um, those are glands that are in the. Um, eyelid kind of the top and the bottom of the eyelid that produce um, mabum which is an oily substance that prevents evaporative or evaporation of the um, eye tears in the film around the eyes so people who have dysfunction in that people who have issues with their lacrimal gland are more susceptible to dry eye for sure all right and you know as far as the actual um, you know dysfunction or destruction of the lacrimal gland so there's some people that have um, Sjogren's syndrome, which can, you know, definitely occur where you get this like autoimmune um, inflammation response to the lacrimal gland, and it eventually leads to, you know, cell death and um, tear hyposecretion. Um, then there's the the non uh, Sjogren's syndrome, where you're going to get this this aqueous tear deficiency, but uh, you can't necessarily associate it to any systemic origin. Right. Um, so that it is important to know that there's two separate things there. Um, and you're, you probably experience the common symptoms, which is going to be um, muc- mucoid discharge, having the sensation of a foreign body in your eye, or dryness of the eye, grittiness, irritation, um, might even be a little more sensitive to light, some blurry vision, stuff like that. Um, and some people kind of have a paradoxical excess uh, tear formation. Uh, don't think that's in everybody, though. Right. Um, you know, the other thing would be to decide whether or not um, it's something else that's going on and not just, you know, regular dry eyes. Right. So there could be, you know, ocular allergies. It could be something like viral conjunctivitis. It could be blepharitis. Um, so there's other things going on. So, you know, obviously having an expert look at that and um, sort of make that distinction would be important. But, um, you know, for someone who has just regular uh, dry eyes, there's definitely a lot of over-the-counter options that they can kind of work through. And we're going to go through the algorithm that has been laid out in this study, or this review, I should say, uh, to, to kind of help pick our, pick our medication choices over-the-counter since there's so many of them. Right. 
And even though there's so many brands over the counter, they are generally contain very similar active ingredients. Um, so the three big ones are a hydroxypropyl methyl cellulose base, um, a carboxymethyl cellulose base, or a hyaluronic acid uh, base. There's also polyethylene glycol, uh, polyvinyl alcohol, different homeopathic remedies, um, liquid polyols. There's a lot of different things, but the main ones are the hydroxypropyl, the carboxy, and the hyaluronic acid. The directions on the homeopathic remedy, uh, open bottle, and then throw directly in trash can because <laughs> you wasted your money. That's just in the official package insert. Yeah, yeah. I, I Listen, I'm just reading. I don't, <laughs> I don't make it up. You just give information. <laughs> yeah. That's all we do here. No opinions. So, you know, what, what they did for this big kind of literature review is they compared the brands head-to-head, and they looked for any study that they could um, to, to see if there was one that had statistically better results. Um, the hard part about this is they used all kinds of different criteria for uh-huh. how they judged the outcomes. Right. So Each it study wasn't was just different. like, oh, the patient was awesome and they felt better and went home. Um, this is, they, they give all kinds of different, you know, outcomes that they say are clinically significant. Um, but because they're not all exactly the same outcomes, mm-hmm. it's hard to compare them. Um, so I guess let's just go through some of these. Yeah. Um, so Sistane is a brand that we see a lot. Yeah. Um, and I think the hard thing is, or the hard part is, you know, these, each one of these brands has 15 different types of eye, right. eye drops in the brand itself. Right. Nighttime, daytime, soft, preservative free. Midday. Midday. Right. <laughs> Tea time. That's probably not one. <laughs> it's the European version. Second supper. Uh huh. It's a hobbit. <laughs> So, um, you know, the sustain, they, the first study that they, they list on here um, was sustain versus refresh tears. And, um, you know, for instance, I'll give you an example of how kind of one of these outcomes. They say that sustain treated patients exhibited de- decreased conjunctival uh, staining and diminished temporal corneal staining compared to patients treated with refreshed tears. Now, those of us who are not ophthalmologists, <laughs> that's not super helpful, but um, you know, that's a way that they've, they've kind of be able to, to distinguish which one is, is a little bit more better. I think it's, it's hard to find an objective way to measure symptom improvement other than the person saying, oh yeah, I feel a little better. Well, do you feel more better than this person's better? So said, it, we both said more better. Now. Right. I love it. <laughs> People are like you idiots. <laughs> We're not English majors. That's right. We got Dr. Britton joining us now on uh, Instagram. There you go. What's going on, Dr. Britton? But All yeah, right. it's them trying to be objective. And uh, in some of the cases, when, especially when you're using gels, they're looking and literally measuring how much it improves the lipid layer over the eye, the thicker the better. And they can see which one worked better than another. So objective measurements. Yep. Um, they've also compared uh, Sustain versus Refresh Tears versus the Refresh Endura. Um, I'm not even sure. I have to look to make sure that one's even still My, I haven't seen available. That. I haven't seen that one. Um, and then they had like the sustain versus the refresh liquid gel. Um, the, um, you know, for instance, that one, they looked at mean corneal inferior staining um, was only uh, significantly or was only significantly reduced in patients treated with refresh liquid gel. Um, so in regards to corneal inferior staining, it's a little bit better with refresh liquid gel. 
Um, and so they just kind of list all these different things. They compare different Blink brands, like in Blink Intensive versus uh, Sustain Ultra. They looked at the Refresh Optive and um, so on and so forth. Yes, many of them. And Refresh Endura is still out there. It looks like it's a single-dose, unit-dose packet of Refresh, just, just the carboxymethylcellulose active ingredient. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. So long story short, they looked at all these and they did generally say, yeah, they all work pretty well. Um, and, you know, just because of, of the heterogeneity of the different studies and um, the results, they couldn't say that one was like way better than the other. So they break it down to those three major um, active ingredient categories, the carboxymethylcellulose, the hydroxy, and the hyaluronic acid. Um, and they say that first line, you want to start with one of those. So some of those brands are the Refresh Optive, the Refresh Liquid Gels, those are carboxymethylcellulose. Uh, the Hydroxy would be Genteel, Moderate to Severe, and then also Lacryl. Uh, then Hyaluronic Acid are the Blink Tears, um, commonly. And if it's mild, dry eye, you can also consider the um, other Sustain or just the Refresh Tears. Uh, those would work as well. And um, the Hyaluronic Acid, the, the Blink Tears, that's actually like the Blink like artificial tears, not the uh, gel tears. Right. So those are two different things. The gel tears, I think, are polyethylene glycol, right. which is second line. The next line. Yeah. So let's say you you have a patient with dry eyes. You can start with one of those options. Um, none of those are going to be necessarily better than the next. Um, you know, there there may be some sort of um, obscure ophthalmological ophthalmological uh, reasoning to pick one over the other right. based on a certain patient outcome. That's going to be definitely beyond our scope. But um, you know, according to the, the actual data and just normal patients with dry eyes, uh, it doesn't seem to be too much of a difference depending on which one you use. Right now, one important uh, difference would be preservatives. Right. So the most common preservative is benzalkonium chloride, which actually has been shown to be um, an irritant to the eye. So usually when you hear patients complain about preservatives, um, frequently it's not particularly important, but the eye is a very sensitive thing. Um, and so using a uh, preservative eye drop more than about three to four times a day, and even using it that much can actually irritate and you know kind of undo the good that the lubricant has done. So in a patient who is refractory, you could consider sticking with those same eye drops, but using a preservative-free option. Uh, the only issue there is a multi-dose file with a preservative without a preservative um, opens you up to potentially infections, conjunctivitis. So they recommend uh, unidose, single-dose preservative-free options, which are obviously going to be a little more pricey. So you may look into using maybe the um, the gels or something different after that if a patient couldn't couldn't afford preservative free. Right, and you know the the preservative free the little multi vials. There are several brands that make those, um, but it is important to like differentiate that it's not preservative free just because we're trying to you know um, be organic or right. whatever the thing is that, you know and like cole was saying it actually causes some problems especially over time and so actually showing patients the difference um because i think a lot of patients you know kind of like you were referring to with the infection risk they have this vision of like preservative free being like a multi-dose vial so showing them that they're actual individually uh dosed vials right in the little skinny tubes um and so they they use their dose throw the vial away and actually showing i've, I've noticed that with a few of uh, the elderly patients that i've dealt with 
they were thinking kind of like what you were saying. Um, well, I'm, I'm going to get an infection in my eye because right. I don't have a preservative. So, you know, making sure they just they understand what you're actually showing them is important. Right. And generally, you recommend three to four times a day. But if it's preservative free, it could potentially be um, an unrestricted amount of, of uh, doses per day. It just kind of depends on which one you're using. Um, and generally, you want to treat for about 60 days at least before you consider, okay, maybe we'll see how you do without it. Which is interesting because if, I think if you hear a lot, of, like for people's first instinct, I think when they're talking about, uh, you know, using an artificial tear, I just use as much, it's, a, it's an artificial tear, like who cares? Just use it as often as you want. Right. But that preservative definitely can cause some damage to the um, corneal epithelium. Right. So it's definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, there's also some other preservatives, uh, and a lot of them go by their actual brand name. So like there's Purite. Um, there is polyquad, and that's polyquads used in a couple of the um, immunizations, uh, possibly. But I know that's used in some of the um, prescription strength, like the um, oh yeah, prostaglandin eye drops for like glaucoma and things like that. <laughs> and um, there's a few others like uh, Gen Aqua. Um, there's Dissipate, which I think is a funny name. <laughs> But, um, you know, there's a few other ones to kind of be aware of. So just make sure that uh, usually they'll say on there that it is a preservative, but make sure if you see something like that on there that you're aware that that's what it is. Um, yeah, so that's first line. Yes, first line. So if you still have refractory symptoms from there, you're going to be switching to like a polyethylene glycol, um, polyethylene glycol glycerin combo. Mm-hmm. And hopefully um, because those are a little bit of a... I guess thicker, mm-hmm. um, a little more occlusive. Exactly, you're going to get um, a little bit better um, outcomes. You know, according to some of this limited data. Right. They actually said, even though they don't recommend this first line, these may have worked better. Sustain Ultra specifically was one that they said it may have worked better. It's one of the newer options out there. A little bit more expensive, uh, but they they still recommend it second line. Yeah, and I do believe Sustain Ultra is one that has the individual doses doesn't the preservative free gotcha i believe oh yeah it does have a preservative free option and um the i, I think it's polyethylene glycol is the like you said i think you said this earlier but the uh, blink gel tears mm-hmm. so because a lot of the places if you're going to go with like one brand let's just say if you don't have to remember all these different brands i like blink for instance because they have a lot of times like right in a row they have like the artificial tears, then they have blank gel tears, and then they have like the gel and then the ointment. And you kind of just can follow this algorithm right down the shelf right? because they have them right lumped together and they're like in the right order. So yeah. I don't know if that was on purpose or if they just got lucky, but it's Good marketing. Uh, solid marketing. <laughs> follow the algorithm, not even trying. <laughs> but um, yeah, so thinking the polyethylene glycol uh, bases. And then you move from drops into more of the gel options, so a gel or lipid formulation. Like I said, it's literally trying to expand the lipid layer over the epithelium. Um, and Genteel gel is one. Also, Visco Tears liquid, liquid gel and Liposick. Those are three uh, common ones. All have preservative-free options as well. So gels versus ointments, right? There you go. Same thing. Yeah. No, no. They looked a lot like a light. They look a lot alike, but they are a little bit different. So, gels. Think of them as not quite being as occlusive as an ointment. And you know, same thing with like topicals as well. But um, you know, the ophthalmic gels uh, they will blur the vision a little bit less uh, than ointments. And 
um, they work longer than drops. So it's a good kind of a mediator between going from solution, the regular drops, to a full-on ointment. Um, gels is kind of like that uh, middleman there. It's probably more so like ointment, but um, definitely can be uncomfortable, um, but not quite as occlusive as a, as a full ointment. Um, a lot of times they're applied, and that's gels and ointments, they'll be applied at bedtime uh, because they can potentially blur the vision. Uh, it's just easier and more comfortable for patients to use them as they go to sleep. Right. Have we done a derm topic yet? We did psoriasis. We did acne too. Mm, did we? Yeah, we did that one twice. Did we? Yes. We did acne twice? Yeah, well, it, we did it, and then that was the one that we had to re-record. Oh, uh, because the audio messed yeah, up. Yeah, there's only one that we've ever re-recorded, and that was acne. Yep. Because the, the audio, we had to trash the I, audio. I do I do remember that now. Okay, and we did psoriasis. I feel okay. like those, though, we probably should just go back and redo them. Did we, um, yeah, because that was so long ago. Uh, Feels like forever ago. I know it does. Did we talk about the difference between like when you would use a cream ointment gel? If we haven't, the next derm topic we definitely should like online. You know, if it's a open cut or blah 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 blah. Well, why wait? Yeah. I know we weren't talking about that, but that's fine. I think actually in acne we did talk a little bit about it on the face. Yeah, because on the face, I remember that one in particular. Because now that you're saying that, I do remember that talk. But um, basically, the way I always remember it is a cream moisturizes. So if you have very dry skin. You can use a cream. Um, the gel can actually cause some evaporation of the moisture on the face when it mixes the oil and all that. And so when you give an ointment um, to someone with oily skin, um, which, or uh, I'm sorry, gel to a person with oily skin, it can evaporate some of that, right. which I, that was always very counterintuitive to what I thought, um, but it actually does seem to work out better. So if you have someone with oily skin, gel needs that very dry skin, give them a cream. There you go. We can add something to that at all? No, no that, that was good. You got it. I think I, that's probably in my PA lecture, too, on acne. So <laughs> I've probably said it 15 times this year. But, yeah, so some other options would be there are ointments for the eye, like refresh, lacrylube, lube, uh, liposomal sprays. So you can actually spray something in your eye mm. and then inserts like Lacrocert. There's also some other um, there's surgical options, um, and there's – one thing that you can basically plug the um, tear duct, um, punctal occlusion. Uh, you can put it in there, and it actually eventually kind of um, breaks down, but it'll it'll keep tears where they're supposed to be and apparently improve symptoms. Tears. They never stay where they're supposed to be. I know. They're Gosh. so frustrating. Going all over the place. They're rogue. They're like emotions because, you know, <laughs> they go along with emotions. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> Never had one of those in my life. I know. What is what is an emotion anyway? What is feeling? <laughs> I keep my macho persona going. Um, so do you um, ointments just did you mention any brand names? Uh yeah. Refresh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Uh, what else? I think that was it for that study. So that was Artificial Tears Potpourri, a literature review. And we can put the uh, reference in the show notes. Yeah. If you guys want to I wish like that we could get permission to uh, actually just repost the study. That would be way easier. Yeah. But we'd probably get in a lot of trouble for that since we, we didn't write it. Yeah. Well, unless it's publicly accessible online, is it? It might be now. Well, we can check. We'll check. If, if not, is, we we'll post, post the, the uh, yeah, we'll post the link. And if it's not, then we will um, post the reference so you guys can look it up. Those of you who have access to some sort of a library or PubMed situation that right. can get you uh, the PDF file, we'll 
definitely encourage you to download it. If nothing else, the algorithm is like literally like a third of a page. Yeah, it's got an eyeball in it. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, I, I took a picture of it with my iPad and just saved that and and used that. It was it was pretty good. It's very helpful. There are some other um, guidelines that you could look into um, that people frequently will follow. One is the TFOS dues. Um, which is the management and therapy subcommittee of the Tear Film and Ocular Surface Society's Dry Eye Workshop 2, uh, update in 2017. But they have a stepwise, four-step approach to treating dry eye, starting with education, um, dietary modifications even, um, and then applying the lubricants like we talked about, then going into trying something non-preservative. They even talk about using tea tree oil, um, punctal occlusion, goggles, overnight different types of treatments in office treatments and they go into different oral therapies which we haven't touched on yet but um, you can use oral secretagogues you can also use some antibiotics um, and then lastly they'll talk about surgical techniques or longer topical corticosteroid therapy yeah and there there is a option for topical glucocorticoids um, you know that they, they you can get some relief you can have uh some some benefit there but you would absolutely only want to use it short term and anytime you can avoid steroid in the eye it's probably a very good thing right um you know there's some some uh guidelines that will say unless you are like in ophthalmology you shouldn't be doing it anyway um but uh, these you know the drops can have significant side effects um and it can even cause like cataracts glaucoma things like that so you'd want to use a lot of caution and i would consider that like i mean probably absolute last line yeah some, but they have been used some of those being lodomax um flarex mm-hmm. that's fluoromethylone lodomax is lodopredinol etabinate um there's also the uh analogous serum tears which is where the it's the serum of a patient's blood uh, is actually formulated into eye drops. I've never heard of that. Yeah, that's um, I, I really don't want any part of that. <laughs> that sounds terrible. Um, I don't know. I, I have to look and see if there's any sort of um, use for that nowadays. I'm I'm sure it's probably still done somewhere, but uh, there's some studies that show that um, it's not great, you know, evidence. But you know, there's um, the long term and there's not really long-term benefit over like just regular artificial tears. So having to go through all that nonsense is seems a little, a little crazy. Does seem like a lot of nonsense. Yeah. And then, uh, you can also do tear stimulation. Did you, did you say that already? Mm-mm, no. The, um, like the, uh, pilocarpine cholinergic agonist, um, that can improve, uh, dry eye symptoms as well, especially, um, obviously patients with, um, Sjogren's syndrome. Um, then it does have systemic side effects though, is the problem. We don't think about eye drops causing systemic effects, but it definitely can. You know one that can? Timolol. Timolol. That's the one I always think about, too. Me, too. I bet, I bet I know why. Yeah. It was Dr. Bry that I think he used to always bring that up. <laughs> yeah. I remember him bringing it up on rounds sometimes, and they all looked at him like he was crazy mm-hmm. because it's like it's eye drop. High, it's a high percentage of right. like of a get, that gets absorbed systemically. No, it is. Yeah, crazy. and I, I kind of thought he was crazy too. I was like, come on, Dr. Bragg. You know, drug interaction with a beta blocker and this, and yeah. then you look it up, and it's pretty legitimate systemic absorption from the eye. Yep. He knows his stuff. He sure does. It's a good dude. Um, yeah, some other things. I mentioned oral antibiotics. So sometimes they'll use doxycycline, even minocycline, um, in very refractory patients for their, of course, antibacterial effects. Also, it has some anti-inflammatory effects that might help 
um, inhibiting lipase production as well. Um, so I don't know if that's the best option, but apparently some people use that. Uh, there's also restasis, so you probably see that a lot. So that's cyclosporin. Uh, it's also a topical unit dose high drop, and they have a multi-dose option now. Yes. Um, that they will also use for dry eye. Yep. Um, and then, well, what's the other one too? The Zydra. Yeah, Zydra. Is the newest one. Lefitograst um, ophthalmic. Integrin antagonist. Yep. Back in uh, 2016. So it's been out. It, I feel like it just came out, but it's been out for a while now. That's a new kid on the block still. Yeah. I, actually, I think the Restasis multi-dose is a little newer, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And uh, isn't the multi-dose preservative free? I don't know. We could look it up. I just There's a question on uh, Instagram. Um, hey, guys, just need a little info. I know about ACE inhibitor, bradykinin, cough, but what about carvedilol? Uh, would that cause the same type of cough? Okay. Going off topic. I like it. I like it. Going rogue. That's the way I prefer it. <laughs> we're, we're pretty much done with dry eyes now anyway, weren't we? So have you? Uh, what are your thoughts? Um, beta blockers can obviously cause some, like you would be concerned about them in a CUPD situation, um, because you know, you're blocking beta receptors. So it might affect breathing in some way could manifest itself as a cough, but I don't think that it is in the same mechanism as an ACE inhibitor as far as I know. Yeah. I'm not familiar with any, uh, any, like bradykinin interaction with the carvedilol that would cause the person to have a cough. I think if you're going to see that, it would be more like a ARB. And even yeah. that's a really, really low incidence, if, if at all. Much lower than an ACE. So so if, it, if there, somebody was having a cough and you, you know, whittled the options down and you were convinced that it's Coreg, I would think it might have something to do with the beta blockade mm-hmm. um, as opposed to the bradykinin. Yeah. Cool. We got a thumbs up. I, I, I dig it. Nice. All right. Um, what else? You know, here's another fun, all completely off-topic thing. If uh, we have the, you know, our, our heart failure beta blockers, so the bisoprolol, the carvedilol, and metoprolol succinate. Yeah. Um, if the person has COPD, they, uh, they did a study where they compared all three of those together, and uh, actually seemed to have a little bit of benefit with bisoprolol. Yeah. You remember that? Oh, yeah. that's right. You were with me when we saw like, that. Yeah. Never mind. What am I telling you? I'm telling you guys. Well, what you're, you're telling, telling everybody. Oh, oh, wow, Mike. That's so interesting. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Try to play along. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I forgot we were like in the same office when we heard that. But uh, yeah. So we'll have to there's some, pull some that data. at some point. Didn't you actually, did, did you do a um, flash briefing on that? Uh, I don't think so. Okay, it's in the uh, secret project though. We'll pull that one at some point. Cool. But yeah. Um. Restasis, multi-dose, preservative-free, with a preservative-free formulation. Mm-hmm. But it, it came out in 2016. But yeah, so it is. I thought that was kind of weird. That's you can have a multi-dose preservative-free. Yeah. Hmm. hmm. I'm looking at that at some point. Yeah, when you're causing tons and tons of infections since 2016. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm sure it's fine. All right. Anything else with dry eyes? I don't think so. All right. You know, we did get another question on Facebook the other day about um, using an ACE and ARB together. Speaking of ACEs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's, um, there is some data. I'm pretty sure it's called the Target Trial. You familiar with that one? Mm-hmm. Uh, but basically... On, on Target, maybe? Or On Target. That's it. Yeah. On Target. Um, and they were looking at ACE and ARB versus ACE versus ARB. And uh, I think basically they found there wasn't any extra benefit as far as blood pressure lowering. Um there was a non-significant increase in angioedema. 
but there was a significant increase in hyperkalemia and fainting, I think. So basically increased risk of side effects and not really any benefit. Not but I see it occasionally, though. Yeah. Know? And it always flags, and it's like, uh-oh, and then you call, and it's a cardiologist who wants to do it. So, so what yeah. do you do? Who are we to argue? I know. High five and keep going. You're right. Now the uh, the other one is uh, that looked at the ACE ARB combo that I could think of is the charmed alternative or I'm uh, sorry the charmed added in heart failure patients yeah where they added candesartan to patients who were on an ACE, um, you know a little bit of a little bit of benefit there um, but again more side effects and there's better options you know with a lot of these a- agents we can do other things like spironolactone and just kind of work our way down the RAS system without using an ACE and ARB since they're so similar right but yeah. We like to sprinkle some extra clinical tidbits. In Man, there. it's so nice of us. We go all of I mean, it's Bonus. free. You guys don't even pay for this. It's like an encore. I know. It's like an encore when no one asked us to. Right. <laughs> well, there's no one to tell us not to. That's true. Well, actually, now that we're live, I guess they could. Yeah, that's true. They haven't said it yet. Okay, we'll wait for that. <laughs> we got we had one guy that was like, what are y'all doing? <laughs> doing on there? <laughs> what is going on? Why are you guys on live right now? Go away. Go away. Like, wow, Get that's hurtful. Oh, man. All right, man. Well, three days and four days, and you'll be four, married man. About four, and uh, we'll be back the day after my honeymoon. I bet we'll be recording. You're going for, what, two weeks? Yeah, two weeks. Cool. Yeah. If I do a solo show, it's because I just couldn't wait any longer. Do it. You, you'll you'll probably have texted me, and then you know I wouldn't have responded, and then you'll take that as the okay. Yeah. <laughs> First day of the honeymoon. When are you coming home? Right. <laughs> I need are you back here are now. You com- are you coming back yet? <laughs> I just have a cutout of evil for the podcast. That'd be good. I can, um, you know, hold my finger up like E equals R X squared over here. Yeah. Of course, I think he's not really doing it right now. Well, I don't think these lights actually produce UV rays. Hmm. I guess I'll have to have some new lights installed. Yeah. Or maybe one of those, you know, those lights that they put in the... Uh, the reptile terrariums. The reptile, yeah, the reptile uh-huh. cages. I bet that would Oh, work. yeah. Oh, yeah. And we'll get some reptiles in I was going to say, well. maybe we just need a reptile. Yeah, like a big... Burmese python. Nah, I shouldn't have gotten you on that. Okay, I'm ordering it right <laughs> here, now. Here we go. Okay, we got to go because I have to order this thing. <laughs> All right, you guys, thank you so much for listening. And please, if you do enjoy the podcast, it would really mean the world to us if you would leave a comment um, or even just hitting the rating button. Uh, it helps us out a lot. And, um, you know, if you have any questions, concerns, comments, if you want to leave some trash talk, that's cool too. We don't mind. Um, you know, you can send us an email, you can hit us up on any of the social media platforms and, um, we will definitely catch you guys on the next one. Thanks for listening. Have a good one.